Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Sunday, January the 15th, 2023. It is currently 4.02 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Well, in a little over an hour, I won't be sitting in this studio. I will be in my car driving to Ovalo, Texas for this evening's worship service at Victory Baptist Church. We'll be once again studying a proper distinction between law and gospel as we work on thesis number eight and our uh, look at these different theses on the subject of law and gospel. So we hope you'll tune in. Then we'll be live streaming as always. We're I mean, live streaming now. We're always we're all, we're always on the air doing a live broadcast. But that'll be at six p.m. We usually start a few minutes late, six oh five, six ten, and uh, hopefully you will listen. So, but I have a few minutes right now. So I thought, you know what. I'm going to make use of this time because I had to do a live broadcast a few minutes ago to correct what went wrong this morning during the morning worship service. So I didn't want my only live broadcast for Sunday afternoon just to be a correction of what I messed up because that's really a waste of your time and it definitely felt like a waste of my time. I do think we we added some interesting thoughts in that clarification. Hopefully that will be beneficial. But I thought, you know what? I've got to go live. I don't have a lot of time, but let's talk about something. And I thought, you know what? I know what I'll talk about. I'll talk about what I was listening to on the way home from church. Because after church, I sat in the sanctuary by myself, getting frustrated and upset with myself and talking to myself going, I I don't know what happened. How did this happen? And of course, listen to the last live broadcast and I'll give you the correction and everything there. But I, once I got in the car, I'm like, I'm t- I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to sit here and drive all the way home thinking about this and talking about it. No, no, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get in the car and I'll listen to something. So I turned on Christian radio and the program Understanding the Times was on. Now, you know, we have reviewed a lot of audio from Understanding the Times over the years. Don't always agree with everything, but typically... I would say usually at least one program a month gives me something really, really to think about. A lot of times the other ones, I'm kind of like, uh, I'm not so sure. But today I got in the car and the program was already, what, 30, 35 minutes into the program. And right when I got ready to turn, I I think I just got into really the, the road that turns into my housing development. Right when I got ready to turn into my housing development, the host made a comment in regards to the, well, end times apostasy, the falling away. Now, if you're not familiar with those scriptures, let me just give you a few of them in regards to this subject of apostasy in the last days. Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse three reads, let no one in any way deceive you for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first. So there's a, an apostasy. Now, we could get into 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. There's a lot there we could discuss. Lots of different ideas, but they were looking for some, before this happened, an apostasy was occurred. Now, are they referencing to what happened in 70 AD? We, we could get into a whole discussion there. But then 1 Timothy chapter 4 reads this way. But the Spirit explicitly says that in the latter times, 
Some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits, doctrines of demons. So there's going to be a falling away. Second Timothy chapter four, verses three through four. That was first Timothy chapter four. Then second Timothy chapter four, verses three through four. For the, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, wanting to have their ears tickled. They will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. There seems to be a lot of Bible verses that would lead one to believe that a falling away, an apostasy is going to occur. And I think that that apostasy, that falling away, is obviously going to happen inside the church. In other words, as we get closer and closer to the end times, I think, again, I know it depends on someone's eschatology, but I believe biblically, laying aside all of the arguments about eschatology, that what we're going to see is that the church, the church at large, is going to get worse and worse and worse and worse that those who hold to the scriptures, those who hold to the Bible, those who hold the biblical doctrines are going to find themselves outsiders, aliens to the church. They're going to be basically pushed outside of the church. And I don't know if any, if everyone, if anyone has ever really sat down to think of all of the theological implications of that. What do you do when you're a Christian and you're like, what's happened to the church? <laughs> okay. Where do I go? I, I, I'm not supposed to forsake the assembly, but the church is a train wreck. Like, like what am I supposed to do? So we've, we've talked about this before, but I thought it was interesting that right when I turn down the street, the host makes a comment and it's really in passing. And they're just going to rattle off like, I think four things. I think it's four things that they believe kind of like are signs of this last day's apostasy. Clearly one of them, many people are going to disagree with, but I thought we would at least listen to this. Again, I have to be back at Victory Baptist Church and, you know, uh, here shortly, um, but I thought we would at least listen to this. I don't have my notebook here. Where's my notebook? Let me grab this notebook. Yeah, yeah, here we go. I can just use this. You leave a notebook anywhere near me, I don't care if it's your notebook, I'm going to use it, okay? If, the, if there's a notebook laying around and I see that there's empty pages, I'm just going to start writing things in. I don't care whose notebook, I don't care if it's your own personal diary. If it's unlocked, I'm just going to start writing my, I'm not going to worry about reading what you said, I'm just going to start writing because I'm always wanting to write, write something down. So this is not my notebook, but I'm just going to use it, all right? So we're going to listen to these and consider what things they mention, and then we'll listen to a little bit of the program and do some just analysis of it because I didn't hear some of this, so I'm interested to see what they have to say because there was a topic they kept teasing they were going to talk about that I think would be very interesting. We'll see if they get to it, all right? Here we go. Now we're jumping right into the, this program, 38 minutes and 34 seconds into it. So, I mean, it's just like we're just jumping right in. So there's no easy transition, but they're getting ready to mention some of the things about I don't know if they use the word last days apostasy or the last days falling away. They're going to use some term that's synonymous with those concepts. Here we go. Perry Stagner, I think that the falling away, and the three of us believe the falling away is the falling into great apostasy, which is predicted for the end time church, quite frankly, Laodicea. What troubles me just as much as some of the false teachings we've kind of touched on this in the previous half hour, is the falling away from teachings on 
eschatology, the importance of Israel, the importance of spiritual warfare, as we see the paranormal exploding, and the further promotion of replacement theology. These four issues trouble me as much. Okay, they go through those quickly, all right? They go through those quickly. So in a roundabout way, they, they do believe there's a falling away, but there's some things that's troubling them, all right? So let's see if we can back this up and get all of these that they mentioned. Here we go. We've kind of touched on this in the previous half hour. Is the falling away from teachings on eschatology? Stop right here. So the first falling away that she mentions here is that she believes there's a falling away from teaching eschatology. And I don't know if I agree. Do you think the church at large has stopped teaching eschatology? Do you think that it's kind of like eschatology is kind of like that subject? Uh, we don't want to really get near that. Because in some cases, eschatology is mocked by the culture at large, right? No matter what you kind of believe about the end times, people are like, yeah, sure, Jesus is going to come back. Yeah. So is it, is it kind of become uncool? I still think, personally, if you teach eschatology, you're going to get bigger downloads and more people showing up. I think there's always an interest in it. Because I think a lot of people approach eschatology as kind of like, oh, cool. Tell me how you think it's going to end. And I'll see if that, how that compares with my theory, how it's going to end. And they don't really like, they don't really care what you say because it's just, everyone's got their own ideas about how the world's going to come to an end. So they're willing to hear your theory because they've got their own theory. They may not change their theory. So I don't know. Do do you think there's a falling away from teaching eschatology? I, I I, I, I don't know about that one. I, I struggle a little bit with that one. All right, let's back it up. What's the next one? Falling away from teachings on eschatology, the importance of Israel. All right, number two, the importance of Israel. The importance of Israel. Now, I do believe there has been a growing... I think I I can't see where we are right now in 2023, but I think over the last maybe 10 years, I feel like that there's definitely been a greater moving away from an Israel kind of focused understanding of scripture and kind of moving away from that and embracing more of an amillennial position that Israel's done away with and the church now in a sense replaces it. So I I I think that is the I think I think there's still some churches that focus on the importance of Israel, but I think others kind of downplay that. I I think there may be some truth to that one. Some truth. All right, let's back this up again. All right, let's see what the next one is. Falling away from teachings on eschatology, the importance of Israel, the importance of spiritual warfare. Right, the importance of spiritual warfare. Importance of spiritual warfare. I don't know. I, I I think this, I think that spiritual warfare has been hijacked. Here's what I think has happened. I think the falling away, I don't know about if, if, if people have stopped teaching eschatology, and I don't know if people have stopped teaching the importance of Israel. I believe what has happened with spiritual warfare is warfare now is really code for political battles. See, we'll say, hey, we're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're not, we're, we're fighting spiritual warfare, but then all their actions call for political involvement and political solutions to somehow win the spiritual warfare. Like, we've got to do this, and we got to get them elected to office, and we need 
this and we need it and we need the Supreme Court and we need this and we need this and we need that and we need to not do this and and it's all these like culture wars that some that spiritual warfare has basically been now redefined as political culture wars. I think spiritual warfare has been hijacked. I think there's still plenty of talk about it, but when you start listening to it, it doesn't sound like spiritual warfare. We just call our political involvement spiritual warfare. That's that's my own take. You can tell me if you disagree. Let's back this up. Let's see what the next one is. We've kind of touched on this in the previous half hour. Is the falling away from teachings on eschatology, the importance of Israel, the importance of spiritual warfare, as we see the paranormal exploding, and the first... All right, and the paranormal, paranormal, paranormal exploding. I don't know. Do you Now, she connects that to spiritual warfare, but do you believe that there's been an explosion of the paranormal... That, that, that paranormal things are far more prevalent today than they were? I don't know. I mean, I thought the paranormal stuff was going on. I mean, I, I, I think it's always been there. Do, do you feel like it's more so? Now, again, I think we have to look to what's going on in the, ch- in the church, not looking into what's going on in the culture. Because I think that's where you're going to find the falling away. So I don't know about the paranormal. I, I think she's going to mention one more. We're breaking them down a little bit more than she does. Here we go. As we see the paranormal exploding and the further promotion of replacement theology. All right. Next is replacement theology. Replacement theology. Replacement theology. Now, if you don't know, let's, let's do a search really quick. And I challenge you to do this. Look up... Uh, in your iPad or mobile device, just type in replacement theology. Replacement theology. Okay. Uh, okay, here we go. Uh, it's, it's called uh, supersessionism. I think it's how you call it. Uh, but it's also called replacement the, the, uh, theology. I know it as replacement theology. Yeah, I think I think it's uh is it super session sessionism? I think it's what it's called. But replacement theology is what I know it as, or fulfillment theology. It's a Christian theology which describes the theological conviction that the Christian church has superseded the Jews and the nation of Israel, assuring their role as God's covenanted people, thus asserting that the new covenant through Jesus, and they go on to say more. But here's the basic idea. Replacement theory uh, replacement theology. I may refer to it as replacement theory, but replacement theology is the idea that the church has replaced Israel, that the promises to Israel are now transferred to us. The curses remain with Israel. The blessings turn to us. Replacement theology, amillennialism. I mean, we could could add a lot of these things in it when how they're interconnected and how they're in some way similar or the same thing. Um, I, I think that that's important. Now, I don't know if it's a sign of the last days. I don't know if it's a sign of the last days apostasy. I don't know if I would go that far. But I think it is important that there is a rise, I think, within the church to downplay the importance of Israel and to 
even if they don't explicitly say it, they basically act as if we have replaced Israel. I think there's some people who don't look. I think I'll give you an example. I think that there is people who would not say that the church replaces Israel, but the way they go to the Old Testament and constantly make verses that are for Israel about us, they're in a sense engaging in replacement theology light in the sense that, hey, that Jeremiah passage is not about us. It's about those coming out of Babylonian captivity. Hey, that promise is for Israel and clearly it hasn't been fulfilled. So it has to be fulfilled in, in some kind of future kingdom. And you just said that that's fulfilled in the church. That to me is, is it may not be pure replacement theology, but it's right there. So I think that that's definitely in the church. I don't know if I would say it's a sign of the falling away, but I think it is an issue. I think replacement theology is an issue, all right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, supersessionism, I think is how you say it, supersessionism. I was, I was trying to see where the actual word was, but because I, but I, I, I know the word, but I, I, I don't think I ever heard, hear it re- referred to as supersessionism. I think I always hear it referred to as replacement theology. So it was, it was, I saw the word and I'm like, wait, I don't know it from that term, but okay, just so that we know. All right, let's, uh, let's go back and continue listening. I want to spend some more time on replacement theology, but um, I got to look at the clock because I have to get ready to, to go back to Victory Baptist Church. But let's see where, where else they go with this. These four issues trouble me as much as just giving very little heed to sound doctrine. Would I be stretching things to say that? I don't think so, Jen. And we're learning more and more about this and the broadness of that statement, the apostasia, the defection from truth. We're seeing it outside of the realm of Scripture today as well, which I do believe it began there. Truth today is malleable. Whatever it is for you, that's great. We've got the whole man-woman debate thing going on, and you can become whatever it is you think or feel like on any particular day or even occasion. We've taken that same kind of approach with the Scripture that what's your truth? What does this mean to you? And really, when we interpret Scripture, it's not what does it mean to you, it's what does it mean? Because it's not going to mean one thing to one person and something else to another. We're seeing manifestations of this in all kinds of ways. And this apostasia is the defection from truth. It's not the rapture of the church. Because we can interpret that through what Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, there's a time coming where men will not put up with sound doctrine. That's a defection from truth. So we're seeing that and the repercussions or consequences of it on every level. And I don't think it's a stretch at all to throw all that under that umbrella of the defection from truth. I get so many emails, I can't deal with them all. I'm looking for a church that will talk about times we live in, talk about how eschatology ties into the current events of the day. 95% of those that write say we can't find that kind of a church in our town. Barry, while I have your... Now, I'm always... I'm I'm always I'm always I always struggle with this. Like there was a time when I would hear that I'd be like, absolutely, all the churches are trash, all the churches are garbage. Nobody can find a good church. And I do understand that problem exists. I I, I don't want you to think that I I don't mean that. But I've also witnessed where people show up saying, I can't find a good church anywhere. This is the kind of church I want. This is the, but I'll just go from my own personal experience. Man, we want a church that will teach scripture, that will dig in, ask the questions, not, not all of the fun food and activities. And no, we just show up and we learn and we learn. And then you give them that. And then after some point, nope, 
they, they go back to the very churches that they said there, there was no good church around here. And then all of a sudden, magically, all the churches around here are great. There's no good church. Well, that one is good. Well, wait a minute. Uh, you came here saying there wasn't a good one. Magically, you now found a good one. <laughs> what just happened? Because I think a lot of people, it's just sometimes when people say there's no good church, I know that there's there's situations where that's true, but sometimes it just seems like, are you sure? Like, what do you want this week? <laughs> there, there's no good church. I don't know. I, I do know that there are some places where things are bad. I do know that. I do know that. And so I, I just struggle with that. Like 95% of her emails are basically people saying, I cannot find a good church. I think that's what she said, some, some percentage. Most of her emails, she can't even keep up with them. There's so many. And nobody can find a good church anywhere? No, maybe it's that bad. Maybe. And maybe I need to be more understanding of that. I just feel like, I guess I've been burned by hearing people showing up at my church. We can't find a good one. And we want, we want this. And, and you give them exactly what they say they want. And then all of a sudden, magically, they don't want it anymore. And magically, there's another good church. Whoa, I thought there was no good one. Oh, but magically, there's a good one. It's just so, it's so interesting. And then when you go look at what the ones they're going to, you're like, that's literally everything opposite of what we are, right? It's like, they do everything opposite than what we did, but you said you wanted what we did. What? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I am now more skeptical, but I do understand. I do understand that in specific situations, you're like, well, you're right. I don't know what I would tell you to do there. I don't know what I would tell you to do. Let's continue. Attention, let me ask you this. This is one of the questions in the book. Are today's proliferation of dreams and visions valid? And let me add my own thoughts. If they are, some are abusing these so-called gifts because they are experiential Christians, and they're looking more for experience than they are for the Bible. But I do believe you feel these dreams and visions are very valid. Absolutely, Joel. Oh, boy. Okay. Now, I love this. So here's a program trying to tell us to beware of the falling away in the last days. And it sounds like that this individual is going to say the dreams and visions are valid. All right. Let me help you out. If you believe dreams and visions are valid, you are not the same kind of Christian I am. Because the minute you say dreams and visions are valid, you do not. I do not care how many times you try to tell me you do not believe in Sola Scriptura. That is an utter denial of Sola Scriptura. Because Scripture cannot be the final authority when God then is speaking to you outside of Scripture through dreams and visions, voices, little voices, small voices, audible voices, inside voices, whispers, yells, screams. I don't care how God is supposedly speaking to you. If it's outside of this Scripture then Sola Scriptura, is, you've destroyed it. I, you can try to play all the word games you want. Either God speaks to us through Scripture alone, or Scripture cannot be the final authority. You say, well, no, no, no. The dream, the vision has to agree with Scripture. Well, it has to agree with Scripture. Why wouldn't he just give us the Scripture? <laughs> and isn't it amazing that sometimes you get a dream or vision that cannot really be judged by the Scripture? Because so what you do is you word the dream or vision in such a way that, well, Scripture doesn't necessarily say it's wrong, but the Scripture doesn't say anything about that. 
right? In other words, I remember one year here in Abilene, Texas, two charismatic churches. One charismatic church said, the year, I don't remember what year it's coming. It's coming. It was 2000 something. The year is coming and the God's glory is going to descend. I had this vision of this cloud of glory descending upon Abilene, Texas, and the hospitals were being emptied out and people were getting financial blessings and people are going to be raising from the dead and all. Guess what? It didn't happen. That same year, the, uh, the, uh, another charismatic church said, I had this vision that judgment was coming upon Abilene and there was going to be tragic, horrible things happening, d- storms, plagues. And, it, and because of, of our acceptance of, I don't know, it was a strip club or something. And guess what? Neither one of the visions came true. Now, how could I judge those visions according to scripture? Because scripture doesn't necessarily say what's going to happen to Abilene, Texas. But see, their argument, but the scriptures don't say these things can't happen. The scriptures don't say these things won't happen. So therefore, they're in agreement with scripture. You see the game that's played? If you want to talk about the falling away, let's start with this program. You believe visions and dreams. You've destroyed Sola Scriptura. There's no point in listening to you anymore. Let's see what he's going to say. All right. So this person still believes they're, uh, they're, they're valid because most of the time she has lots of people on her program, her Calvary Chapel, who's kind of charismatic light in many ways. All right, here we go. ...than they are for the Bible. But I do believe you feel these dreams and visions are very valid. Absolutely. Joel spoke of that time where there'll be dreams and visions, and he's obviously talking mm-hmm. to the nation of Israel. But I don't think we can limit the moves of the Holy Spirit to whatever our parameters may be. Because as Amir mentioned earlier, John six forty four, no man comes unless the Father who sent me draws him. And we're hearing about the place where the church is growing faster than anywhere else in the world. In Iran, people are having dreams about Jesus. They're seeing visions of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And when you've got a country where the missionary can no longer put their feet on the ground, the Lord isn't just going to save. Oh, well, too bad. He's So now you interpret Jesus drawing someone as he giving them a vision or a dream. (laughs) Then why wouldn't just Jesus give everyone that dream and vision and then everyone would be saved? Right. Or or do you believe in election? Well, no, you don't believe in election. So I, I don't I don't know how they work that. But OK, it's going to because of his unwillingness that any should perish. He's going to reach out to them through means that are going to reveal who he is to them when we look at it or want to. So because he doesn't want any to perish, he's going to reach out to them. So he's going to reach out to people with dreams and visions so that they will believe in Jesus. You know, any lost people, they get a dream or a vision like, like what well, they're not taking this perspective to its theological conclusion. Interpret every dream that we have instead of eating pizza too late at night yeah. being the source of the dream. When we want that experiential Holy Ghost goosebump type of thing, that's where I think we get into trouble. Because if you look at the gifts of the spirit, they're all for the edification of the church. They can be for the edification of the saint individually as well but none of them are going to contradict the Word of God. Whatever it is, it's going to end up leading people to Jesus. If you're a believer, it's going to lead you to His Word. If you're a non-believer, it's going to lead you to His Word, which is Jesus. It's not going to lead you to His Word when He's talking to you outside of the Word. And and I and it's such a cop-out to say it's got to be in agreement with the Word. Well, 
Oh, I got a vision. I got a dream. Trump's going to win the election. How am I supposed to judge that according to scripture? See, it's, it's this stuff that's stated in such a way that I'm not saying anything that contradicts the scripture, but I'm not saying anything that can actually necessarily be judged by the scripture, meaning God's giving revelation and understanding outside of the Bible. So then why do I need the Bible? And here's a, here's a novel idea. If God's still speaking according to dreams and visions, then here's, why wouldn't he just, the, the, the most important thing he could do of all of these supposed dreams and visions that, that supposedly people are getting, just give every Christian on the planet a dream and a vision where God speaks directly to the person and says, here's what you should believe about baptism. Here's what you should believe about the Lord's Supper. Here's what you should believe about salvation. Here's what you, and, and then we could have unity. And it's amazing that the dreams and visions never bring unity. I wonder, I wonder why. Jesus, he is the word of God. But the hyper aspect of this is what we need to beware of. Yeah, that's my only point. You can reach Barry Stagner at cctustin.org, Calvary Chapel, Tustin, California. Follow his YouTube outreach, The Truth About God. You can look up the lineup. Amir, you can reach him at BeholdIsrael.org and follow him on Telegram. That's where he posts daily insights from a Christian perspective that you won't get many other places. Amir, I want to talk just for a moment here about a theology, because we're on the church, that troubles you and I greatly. We see things around us crumbling, politics, culture, marriage and family issues, trans movement, and yet there's a teaching called Kingdom Now Theology that the church is going to correct all of these issues. And we're talking. All right. Now, kingdom now theology. Kingdom now theology. Says the church is going to fix all of these issues that we're seeing in, in the culture where everything is crumbling. All right. King- now, I believe what's, I just find this funny because they're talking about signs of the end times. And I believe the signs of the end times is going to be, I, I, I mean, I've said it from the beginning. The whole charismatic movement to me is just a proof of the last day's apostasy. It's deceptive. It's, it's spirits and, and demons or something going on where you have this crazy experiences and deception and, and all of these supposed, I call them fraudulent signs and wonders. And I think it's nothing more than a deceived theology that everyone should avoid. All right. But they in a roundabout way just came back and tried to say, no, 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 no. You can have kind of a, a, a charismatic light and it's okay. A charismatic. No, no. That's like saying I, I want a little bit of cancer. Right. There's no, no, I want no, I have no, I will, I will have no cooperation with anything charismatic in any way, shape or form, because I believe it's cancer. I don't, if, if, if I go to the hospital and I'm like, Hey, would you like a little bit of cancer? Just a little bit. No, I don't want any. And I don't want any charismatic theology. So right there saying, well, dreams and visions, as long as we don't go too far with this, yeah, whatever, whatever. Talking about the church for this segment, the New Apostolic Reformation stresses that we can have heaven on earth. Give me your thoughts here on the church. Right, Kingdom Now, and then the New Apostolic Reformation, that's NAR. Kingdom Now, NAR. Now, I do believe these are massive issues facing the church. Let's see what they have to say. Stepping out and perfecting the world before Jesus comes. Look at how the world is today, and they're not that successful, are they? Our world is getting 
darker and darker by the second. And I would like to address the issue also of the fact that a lot of people are claiming that we might have to go through the tribulation or at least part of the tribulation. They say that only because it looks like this man could be the Antichrist, that man could be the Antichrist. So it's very easy to start pointing fingers and identifying things. The problem is that their whole perception of the end time is so wrong that this is when they start making up things that are not scriptural. In this kingdom now theology, this is exactly what they're doing. There is no place in the Bible that says that the church will prepare this world in order for Jesus to come over here. Jesus said that he is going to come and receive us to himself, so where he is, we will be also. Not that we will prepare the place for him, so where we are, he will be also. It is obvious that this world is not our place. It is obvious through scriptures in Second Thessalonians that we must be taken out of the way in order for the Antichrist to be revealed. And it is obvious that Antichrist and this whole world will be judged when Christ is coming back with us. And again, I just find it hilarious. The very people who are acknowledging the possibility of dreams and visions and God still speaks that way. Why wouldn't he just give us all one eschatology? If God is speaking to us outside of scripture, he could just reveal to everyone the one eschatology and then the church would be all united in its eschatology. We're not in agreement in eschatology, soteriology, ecclesiology. We're not in agreement in any element of theology. But yet God is just speaking to us outside of the Bible. Unbelievable. And they can't even see the, the they just talked about, well, God does speak this way. Well, then why wouldn't then all of our problems be resolved? But no, they never have an answer for that. And behold, he comes and his saints are coming with him in Zechariah 14. And this is the ushering of the millennial kingdom, even as the Old Testament suggests. I think that there is a hunger and thirst among many Christians to feel that we can be setting the tone in this world. Well, it's partially based on wishful thinking, and partially I think it's also demonic. And the reason is this. Look, there is no doubt in my mind that we need to be workers of righteousness. I'm not saying give up and let the world fall apart. As long as we're here, we need to be about a father's business. As long as we're here, we need to proclaim the gospel and be workers of righteousness. But at the same time, the Bible is telling us that this is not our home, this is not our place, that he is preparing a place for us, and that he is coming back to receive us unto himself. And this is exactly why Revealing Revelation was written, to explain to people the difference between what's going on in heaven while the tribulation is going on on earth. And this is what we're answering in Bible prophecy, the essentials. Everything that has to do with tribulation on earth is not with the church. So either the Kingdom Now Theology teachers never read the book of Revelation, or they decided that it's so allegorical that they can skip it, and in the day-to-day interpretation of it, it doesn't mean anything. And it's very, very sad. I will say the last thing is that I've seen church leaders from all over the world basically grooming Israeli messianic leaders to become the new apostles. I saw videos of crowning people with crowns on their head. 
when we call it New Apostolic Reformation, it's really physically talking about new apostles, people that are going to be pronounced as apostles. And they must be Jews, they must be from in Jerusalem, and they will have the same importance and level of the first century apostles. Let me remind you, the first century apostles wrote the Bible. Yeah. So how can they be at the same place? How can we have it? Obviously, it's not scriptural. Obviously, Satan, I believe it's demonic. And I do believe with all of my heart that it's all rooted in the sheer Bible illiteracy that is existing in our church today. And this is why we travel and teach the Bible. Barry Sagner, you include a question here in the book, Bible Prophecy, The Essentials. You ask if some of the heresies and false teachings that are so prolific in the church today, if that is all prophetic. I think that's almost a rhetorical question, because indeed, these things are predicted. They're going to depart from sound doctrine. There'll be wolves among the flock. Absolutely. Now, that's the latest episode of Understanding the Times. I would challenge you to go find it and listen to the rest of it. You can find it anywhere you get your podcast, Understanding the Times. We will summarize it this way, and I'm going to, because I disagree, obviously, with, with their whole acceptance of visions and dreams. But let me state it this way. This is what was put forth. That if we look at the church today, and we look for the end times apostasy, here's some of the things that they mentioned. A lack of teaching eschatology. Is that a sign of the end times? Do you feel that that's happening or not happening? That the importance of Israel is being diminished or downplayed or completely rejected. Number three, the importance of spiritual warfare is being neglected. I will argue that that spiritual warfare has been hijacked and that spiritual warfare really is simply code for political culture war. And we call it spiritual war, but really we're just trying to engage in some kind of culture, political war, and I think that's a problem. They say that the explosion of the paranormal is a sign of the end times. I don't know if there's an explosion of the paranormal today. Um, Replacement theology. Now, I believe replacement theology leads to major issues with biblical interpretation because then you're going to the Old Testament and all of these passages are about Israel. You're making it about the church, and I believe that does absolute damage to your reading of the Bible. I don't know if it's a sign of the end times, but I think it's a serious problem. Next is, the, uh, I, and now they, they did it themselves. And I'm going to put this down. And I think this is maybe the most significant, a denial of sola scriptura. Whenever you say God is speaking in any way, shape, or form outside of the Bible, you've destroyed sola scriptura. You've destroyed our one source of authority. And then it's a spiritual chaos, anarchy, free for all, which is exactly what we're seeing in the church. And, there, and they even bemoan the fact that, well, truth has fallen. Well, truth has fallen when you're telling people that God is speaking to them outside of the Bible. Where's the source of truth? Now, what what they supposedly saw in a vision or what they hear in their head or what they feel now becomes the source of truth. And then Kingdom Now Theology and the NAR, the New Apostolic Reformation. Kingdom Now Theology and the NAR, yes, absolutely apostate. They go so far as to say demonic. Clearly, it must be rejected. So just some thoughts on this Sunday afternoon about the end times apostasy. What do you think are the major issues related to end times apostasy that we're going to see in 2023? What do you think? Do you think the NAR, Kingdom Now, theology is going to explode? I think there's going to be more denial of sola scriptura. I think there's going to be, uh, well, the charismatics just constantly 
I mean, I don't know. What, what's next in the charismatic world? Who knows? But I, I think uh, the charismatic world is where you're going to continue to see the greatest amount of, of, of apostasy creeping into the evangelical church. I think the charismatic theology is the tumor that will continue to kill, will kill a biblical Christianity. I think charismatic theology is the cancer. And unless it's eradicated, it will kill the church theologically and biblically, and the church will become so apostate. And I think the church will become apostate. But I think charismatic theology is the major source of, of the corruption. I really do. I think charismatic theology is straight up evil and satanic. I have no, and I don't, and I don't, and it's not that I'm trying to, I, I'm not saying anything about the people. I'm saying it about the theology. I feel bad for the people, but the theology I have no patience for. All right. You can give me your thoughts. Thought it would just be an interesting thing to throw out there on this Sunday afternoon. I, I'm sorry. I wish we had more time to discuss some of that. Obviously, um, we'll see what the reactions to this are, and we can uh, we can circle back and talk about some of these things more in the future. In the in the meantime, email me newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com, and we'll be back on the air around 6 p.m. Central Time. So a little over an hour, and we'll be talking about law and gospel. All right. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great day. God bless.